Welcome to Focus, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hey, Mike. Hey, David. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm feeling so good. Excellent. It's so good right now. I. It's been really weird for me this week. Like, I don't really understand why. Actually, now I think I figured it out. But, like, I've been going to the gym and, like, doing the harder weights and stuff. Just, like, feeling, hey, this is no problem. I'm feeling good today. Uh, the sitting at my desk, I've been really focused, getting a lot of work done. And so much so that the last couple of days have been so good that I stopped to think about it. Like, what's going on here, man? And I realized something. What's that? With this time change, I have been getting tired at the same time I always got tired, but I've been waking up an hour later every day. So I've been sleeping instead of seven and a half hours, I've been sleeping eight and a half hours. And it is like a, it was like a noticeable difference before I realized the cause, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. The problem is when you have kids, they don't know that the, uh, the time has changed. So they just keep getting up at the same time. (laughs) I could do a whole podcast on why I think we need to stop flipping the clocks, but yeah, just, just pick one, man. Just pick one and just stick with it. Yep. I mean, what's that? Is somebody told me once that we did it because, uh, for farmers so they could get up. I mean, what's the percentage of Americans that are farmers at this point? Right. <laughs> I, uh, I I think it's dumb, but either way, I did get a benefit from it this year because without realizing it, or, or I, I guess on some level I was realizing it, but I was, I was just getting extra sleep. You know, I was going to bed a little earlier than usual, and now I'm thinking about keeping that streak going. So we're going to talk about sleep today, but, but before we do, I want to mention the focus calendar. Yes. Uh, we've heard from a bunch of listeners that already bought it. There's still some available. Um, we've got a link in the show notes. Go check it out. It's awesome. It goes on your wall. You can plan out your year. We did a, we talked about calendaring uh, two weeks ago, so you can go back and listen to that show if you missed it. But we have a focus calendar, and it's beautiful. and It'll look great on your wall. And you should go get one. It does. I've got the color sample version actually right here in front of me. It looks really sharp. And uh, I'm thinking I'm going to put in my order for a bunch of these shortly, but I think everybody should buy at least one. <laughs> yeah. We talked to, you know, like the last, last episode about it, but I really think that this is the thing that provides the most clarity for me when I'm thinking about all the things that I want to do in a, in a year. And then even, you know, just having it where I can see it all the time and someone makes a request of me, then I kind of know that you know, I've got a busy month coming up. So I'm not going to want to try to deliver a project during that, yeah. that time. If they, they need it by then, then I'm not the right person. You know, so we talk a lot about saying no, this is actually one of the tools that really helps me <laughs> say no to more stuff. Yeah. I think it's a great product for the focused audience. I'm looking forward to getting mine on the back of my door. I've got the perfect spot for it. And so I have to look at it every time I leave the room. I can uh, look at it while I'm on the phone and people are asking me to speak at things. And I look at and realize I've already double booked myself for that month. Anyway, it's going to be great. So, uh, but if you want your own focus calendar, they're really great looking. We'll put a link in the show notes. They're still on sale and, uh, and you should get yours before January gets here. Right. They are $29 and that includes the shipping. We wanted to make it as simple as possible. So you go there. You pay the $29, that's flat rate. It will ship anywhere in the 
the continuous US, I guess, you know, if you want to get it shipped somewhere else, there's some extra cost involved. Shipping calendars and big tubes is kind of expensive. But um, we tried to make it as, as simple as we, we could for people. Yeah. So, Mike, let's talk about sleep. I, I know that sleep is a big deal to you because of your epilepsy. Yes. <laughs> so I've alluded to this on the podcast previously. It's not something that I normally talk a lot about because I don't want to use it as an excuse for things. But the it's very relevant to the, the topic today. So I'll just share a little bit of my story here. When I was 18, the summer after I graduated high school, I was thinking I was invincible, you know, sleeping probably six hours a night and thinking that that was was plenty. As young adults typically do, you know, I'm getting ready to go off to college. I'm thinking the world is my oyster. I can do anything, right? And I had a reality check standing in line at a McDonald's during a workday. There was somebody there with me who was from work and we were in between different locations for a video shoot that we were doing. And while we were standing in line at the McDonald's uh, during our lunch break, I had a seizure. And I don't remember much about it. I know what people have told me after the fact that there was also a nurse that was in line with me. And so when I had the seizure, she turned me on my side and kept me safe until the ambulance came. The ambulance picked me up. And the only thing I remember about that is coming to briefly in the back of the ambulance on the way to the hospital, looking out through the window and seeing my dad driving the car right behind the ambulance and then blacking out again and waking up in a hospital bed. When I came to, they told me that I had epilepsy and it was genetic. I had inherited it from my grandmother. Apparently, it skips a generation. So my dad's generation, they didn't experience any, any of the, the symptoms, but um, they traced it back to my grandmother and they told me that this was just something I was going to have to learn how to manage, which at the beginning was really difficult because when I left the hospital, they prescribed some medication for me, which uh, they overprescribed it. And it's supposed to regulate your, your brain waves. I'm not a, a doctor, but the way that they test for this type of thing really just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me <laughs> because they, they hook you up to the, the EEG and they monitor your brain waves and they can basically tell if your brain's misfiring at that particular moment. So they have me hooked up for 15 minutes. They don't see anything. And they're like, well, to be safe, basically, you should just keep taking this medication for the rest of your life. The problem is that the medication makes you drowsy. And when I was first taking it, they had overprescribed it. I, at the time, was 135 pounds dripping wet, <laughs> skinny soccer player. And they were giving me, they told me afterwards, enough for a 300-pound woman. So I was sleeping about 12 hours a night and was still exhausted all day. And I was like, this is miserable. I, I can't function like this. Th- this. This isn't sustainable. They dialed in the, the medication. And things were going good. I went off to college and like probably anybody else who's a freshman in college away from home for the the first time, I was a little bit lax in taking my medication. So I had another seizure actually in the fall of my freshman year at at college. 
And uh, they told me basically that um, we don't know when or if you're ever going to have another seizure, but these are the list of things that can trigger it. And one of them is not getting enough sleep. And as a freshman in college, you know, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't taking my medication consistently. That just kind of combined to not a good situation. So from that point on, it's kind of like, okay, you got to make some lifestyle changes here. And I started paying attention to my sleep, both the quantity that I was getting and the quality of it. And that's really the gist of what I want to dive into here today, because I feel like even for like for me, I've got a, a medical reason to pay attention to this stuff. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think the culture kind of promotes this idea of a heroic uh, the, the heroic worker, you know, who can work 60 hour weeks and live on and, and be perfectly fine on five hours of sleep a night. And that's just not the case for most people. You have to push back against that ideal that our culture uh, creates. And when you do, you see a lot of positive benefits, kind of like what you were talking about at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, the show's called Focused and the goal is to help people bring focus to their life. And I think one of the biggest enemies of bringing focus to bear is this no sleep culture. And I think people are starting to wake up to that. See how I did that. Um, but it, it's been for the longest time, you know, it's been, a, it's been like a badge of honor, just like the busy badge of honor. There's the no sleep badge of honor. And both of those are bad badges of honor. You don't want them. And it's compounded by the fact that there are a very small percentage of people who can actually survive on less than seven and a half hours of sleep per night. And everybody thinks they fall into that category. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. one, of, one of those. But in reality, it's like two or 3% of people who can do that. And it's 40 or 50% of people who think that they can do that. And uh, a lot of times you don't even see the, uh, you, you don't even see the, the crash coming. I remember reading the sleep revolution, I think by Ariana Huffington. And she was talking about how she was working these crazy long hours and she was sleep deprived and she was at her desk and she blacked out and she woke up, she was on the floor. She had a big gash in her head from where it hit the desk. And it was, it was due to lack of sleep. You know, she didn't have a a medical condition, but your body just can't keep going like that. You're, you're stealing from future you when you don't get enough sleep. And we don't, we don't realize the price that we we were paying when we, when we do that. Yeah. I was, uh, when I first started practicing, uh, one of the attorneys told me, Hey man, sleep is for wimps. You know, that's actually wimps wasn't the word he used, but, uh, you know, but just, you know, initially like right out of the gate, they're telling you, no, you need to get less sleep to do this job. And that's just the opposite of what you need when you're doing a hard job. Uh, so I, I spent a little time, you know, sniffing around the internet about sleep deprivation and, and you know, what it causes. Uh, the National Transportation Safety Administration says 100,000 accidents per year and 1,500 deaths are due to sleep deprivation. You know, I mean, 1,500 people a year die because of somebody driving uh, that's sleep deprived. Um, the, uh, the one that was, I think really one of the most relevant ones to this show is that it makes you dumb, you know, forgetfulness. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, it's almost like you're, you're drunk. You know, it's like people wouldn't tell you at work, Hey, it's really important that you show up every day drunk. But when they tell you to show up every day, sleep deprived, in essence, they're telling you to show up drunk. 
um, uh, weight gain. There's been studies that show people who don't get enough sleep, it stimulates their appetite. You actually eat more food because you don't have enough sleep. I don't, I don't really know the science behind it, but according uh, to some studies, that's true. Well, I believe it. it has to do with the amount of willpower that you have is depleted when you're not at full strength, which makes sense, right? Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of research about the topic of willpower. Some people think that it's finite. Some people think it's replenishable. But the bottom line is that if you don't allow your brain to recover all the way, then you are playing with a handicap. Yeah. the uh, It kills your sex drive. I mean... Man, I don't want to kill my sex drive. That's fun. <laughs> um, the uh, long-term effects, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, depression, ages your skin. You know, I, you know, there's, I think, you know, over time, this stuff really takes a toll on you. Basically, my, my takeaway from all the research is it shortens your life. You know, if you, if you decide to, like, play fast and loose with your sleep, you you're going to pay a long-term price for it, but you also pay a short-term price every day. And that's something that, you know, was just underlined for me the last couple of days, because man, I've been feeling like a, a Superman the last couple of days. And I realized all of, the only difference was I got an extra hour of sleep every night. Yep. And, uh, you know, with the, the time change, it's kind of built in where in the fall, you have this opportunity to get the extra hour of sleep, right? But yeah. In the spring, we're going to lose it. And the majority of people aren't going to take that into consideration. <laughs> they're just going to set their yeah. alarm for the same time every day. And they're going to go into work and they're going to feel a little bit more tired. Maybe they don't even think about why they feel a little bit more tired. They just try to push through. And yeah. really what I want to challenge people to think about during this episode is how can you create the systems where you don't have to rely on the one extra hour of sleep in the fall to help you recover? Because you can't really recover. All of this stuff adds up and accumulates and what's called sleep debt. Yeah. And you you lose an hour every night, you're not just going to catch up on the weekends. It's going to take a long time to to recover that and most people never do. So, like you said, it has all these negative effects and ultimately it shortens their life and also I would argue reduces the quality of the life that they have. Problem is they don't realize it. <laughs> Yeah, one of the uh, things, the studies were showing that it impairs your judgment about the importance of sleep because you kind of delude yourself. Uh, using the uh, the drunk analogy, you have a few drinks, you don't realize how drunk you are. You think you're fine. Yep, exactly. Um, I used to tell uh, younger attorneys when we would go to trial together, the rest is a weapon. I tried to do the opposite of what I was told when I started because I always felt like, uh, there's nothing more important when you're under the most stressful of circumstances to have a good night's sleep and, and full rest, even to the extent that I would go and take naps during trial. And we'll talk about naps later in the outline. But the, um, <laughs> but it just, I think it makes a huge difference. I mean, you have to be sharp and sleep gets you that. So so today we're going to talk about it. Um, maybe we should start um, talking about what sleep actually does for you. Yeah. And this is something that is fascinating to me. So I'll just try to summarize this real briefly in case it's not fascinating to everybody else. <laughs> but basically, your body is wired to have a normal 24-hour circadian rhythm where you go through different periods of alertness and sleepiness. And some people will call those like process C and process S. The process C is the thing that produces the alertness, the process S 
that's the thing that produces the melatonin, the sleep-inducing substances in the brain, and it helps you to go to sleep so your brain can recover. And these work together to cause you to go to sleep every single night. And while you are sleeping, there are these sleep cycles that happen. So just because you're not awake and conscious does not mean that all sleep is the same. So there's a bunch of different stages here, four or five stages, depending on where you look. Uh, I'll just highlight the main ones. So stage one, that's what happens first. That's light sleep. Usually happens right after you fall asleep within about 15 minutes. It's kind of like a quick cat nap. It's kind of, it's really the, the transition to sleep. And then you go a little bit deeper into stage two. That's light sleep where your brain waves now are starting to slow down. This happens usually within 10 to 25 minutes of falling asleep. And this is the stage where your heart rate slows down and your body temperature starts to drop. This is the power nap stage. Then you've got stage three. This is the one that's sometimes split up into two different stages, but this is basically where the deep sleep occurs, where you're actually sleeping. And during this stage, your blood flow is directed away from your brain to your muscles and your physical energy is restored. And then stage four is the REM sleep, the rapid eye movement sleep. And this is where most of the restorative stuff that happens during sleep. It's also where dreaming occurs. The general rule is that the more REM sleep you can get, the better rested you are. But you can't just fall asleep and go to REM sleep. You have to transition through all these different stages. So you fall asleep, you go to stage one, stage two. You can't hack the system. You cannot hack the system. (laughs) You go stage one, stage two, stage three. And if you get woken up, you never get to the REM sleep. It's almost like that sleep cycle didn't happen, which is not great news for parents of, uh, of young children. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really understanding how this works, you go stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, and then you start to come back up stage four, stage three, stage two, stage one. That is a full sleep cycle. The average person needs five of these sleep cycles to function normally, and they each take about 90 minutes. So that is, if you're doing the math, seven and a half hours of sleep just to function normally. And when you can, when, when you're sleep deprived and you can get an extra sleep cycle, you wake up kind of like you've been this last week, David, and you feel really, really good <laughs> Yeah, because it's like you've, you've gotten used to a new normal. And then when you see how good things can be, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can take over the world now. Yeah. It's crazy. I, somebody, uh, one, I was talking to somebody who's like, you know, there's a term in programming called garbage collection where the program goes and pulls all the garbage out and dumps it out. You know, it's, it's a programming thing, but it's like garbage collection for your brain. It's like you have that opportunity to process things. Yes. Uh, another analogy I like is it's like an oil change for your brain. The difference here is that instead of every couple of months or every 3000 miles, your, your brain and your body needs this oil change every single night. But it's kind of amazing when you think about everything that the brain does. It's really the most powerful supercomputer <laughs> ever. And when you don't get enough rest, when you don't allow it to, to, get all, to recharge all the way and you're functioning at 70%, 80%, whatever, uh, you can get away with, with it for a little while. And on the surface, it looks like you're able to push through, but you really don't understand um, how much your brain does and how and what peak productivity, I guess, for your body really looks like until you 
uh, until you have built in this system and you start to recover from the, the sleep debt. This is kind of the thing I think that everybody at some point in their life struggles with. I mentioned in my story, you know, I was 18 going off to college and I was accumulating sleep debt and I had this it really, it was a, a benefit because it was a forced reset and it forced me to take this stuff seriously. And from that point on, basically, I've been trying to do things the right way. Um, everybody's got to have that moment of clarity for themselves, though, where it's like, okay, this just isn't working anymore. And if you can do that yourself, instead of falling asleep at the wheel or um, you, having your performance suffer at your job or flying off the handle when you're home with your family, like all of these things are regulated by your brain. And and uh, if you can recognize that things aren't quite right and make the adjustments, that's much better than being forced to do it. I mean, most people don't get this stuff sorted out to their 40s or 50s. Of course, Mike Schmitz does it at 18. Well, I'm not smart enough to do it at 18. I was forced to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode of Focus is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Enter offer code FOCUSED at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. You know, life has got all these complicated decisions in it. Everything time you want to do something new, you got to like, go do research. You got to figure it out. You got to go research sleep if you decide you want to get extra hours of sleep. But if you want to make a website, you don't need to do all that research. You just need to go over to Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store or portfolio. Maybe you want to make a blog about getting a good night's sleep. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it all covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. And trust me, I know this because I've used it. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And they give you all those award-winning templates that are beautifully designed for you to show off your next great ideas. I had websites that were not on Squarespace, and I had the pain and suffering and the scars to prove it. Because, you know, I had uh, plugins that went bad. I had uh, all sorts of problems, people trying to attack the website. And I, I just got tired of dealing with all that nonsense Instead, years ago, I went, gave my whatever, I think 10 or 15 bucks a month to Squarespace. And since then, I've never had a problem. They support me with MaxSparky.com and SparkCSQ.com, and they do a great job. Uh, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. Uh, you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to Squarespace.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code FOCUS to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for Mike and me here at the FOCUS podcast. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash focused and the code FOCUS to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you, Squarespace, for all of your support of FOCUS and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Mike, before we... Um, move past how sleep works. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about technology. I know there's applications and things you can buy. I think there's like pillows and sheets and stuff you can buy to help track your sleep better. Have you gone down that rabbit hole at all? Yes, I can tell you just how far the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, let me tell you my experience first. Okay. Sure. And then because I, I have never really dug in on this. I think it's probably a good idea the last couple of days, like I said, have been real eye-opening for me in terms, I thought I was getting good sleep, but I feel like 
No, obviously a little more would make a difference for me. But, you know, I did it at one point, there was that app called Sleep Cycle. The original version, you would literally plug your phone in and stick it under your pillow and you leave it on all night. And I did that, but it just never really felt right to me. And now I think they've got one that listens to your snoring. And I, I just don't know where to start with this, but I'm starting to think I need to look into this deeper. Yeah. The, uh, the, the sleep cycle has come a long way. That's actually one that I use in before we get into my whole sleep <laughs> workflow, for lack of a better term. Uh, I will say that I struggled with the same thing. That putting it under the sheet just felt weird. I tend to move around a lot when I sleep. And so I was always afraid that I was going to send my phone flying and I'd wake up and phone would be on the floor and I'd have a cracked screen or something. So I'm glad that that's not the only option anymore. And honestly, there's a ton of options available if you want to track your sleep to get a picture of what's actually going on while you're sleeping. Yeah, um, maybe you, I guess it sounds like you may have a solution. We're going to talk about our sleep kind of like, I don't say patterns, um, our sleep habits later. Maybe you want to talk about it then. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Um, I'll mention a couple of the things that you can do to make the most of your your sleep, though. And this is uh, this is something that a lot of people, I think, just don't really think about. You tend to stay awake as long as you can, kind of like my kids. They try to stay stay up as late as they possibly can, right? And then when they're exhausted, they fall asleep. And then they get up at the time they have to get up in order to do the things that they have to do in the day. And I think applying a little bit of intentionality and planning for how and when you are going to go to sleep can provide some some crazy uh, some big benefits. At least in in my experience, these are some things that have helped. And I'll you know we can talk about how we tie all these things together. But one of the things that I think is uh, kind of underrated is the uh, the level of light that is in your room. Uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the darker your room is, the easier it is for you to fall asleep. But if you ever just lay in bed at night and look around the room, you'll probably see quite a few flashing lights and (laughs) different colors, right? And you just have, you're so exhausted that you've trained your body to, to overcome that sort of stuff. But figuring out which of those things you can remove can have a very positive impact on your sleep, uh, specifically the clock in your room. So this is my, I cannot sleep with a, a clock in the room. If I go sleep in a hotel, I've got to unplug it or turn it against the wall so I don't see it because I see the time on the clock and then I get frustrated that I'm not asleep yet. And so yeah. if it takes me a half an hour to fall asleep, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, tomorrow's going to be really tough because you're not getting enough sleep. And that just has a cumulative negative effect where one now... Rem, one REM cycle down. I'm already <laughs> one down. Will exactly. And then the anxiety that that produces means that I'm probably going to miss another one too. <laughs> yeah. So not knowing, you know, what time it is when you're going to sleep, I think is uh, is is probably... You can look at your, your clock or your phone, you know, as you're going to bed, obviously. I try to be in bed at the same time every night. Doesn't mean that it always works, but I've got my ideal time. Uh, but after that point, you know, once you are in bed, you don't want to be looking at those things. Yeah, I don't like the way, because when I was a kid, I had a clock in the bedroom all the time, never really thought about it. But now, like if I go to a hotel room, it lights up. It's like there's a flashlight on in the room. I, I can't get over how much light it emits, even when you put them on the dim mode. So I, I don't have one either. 
the I do put my Apple Watch on a charging cable on the side of my bed. So if I tap the the watch, it gets into nightstand mode and I can see what time it is. And mm-hmm. occasionally it's useful if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can see what time it is. Or sometimes I wake up like between, I guess, rim cycles. Like yep. I'll wake up at like 4.30 and it's like, oh, I guess I should get up now. And I'll just check the time that way, you know. But the um, uh, but I maybe at the end of today's show, I'm going to be start wearing my watch to bed. I don't know. But the um, but I do have something there, but it's not always on. In terms of the light in the room, however, it it is something to take a look at. Like I have a um, one of those um, you know, charge uh, you plug in the wall, and then you've got a bunch of plugs in it, and it's got a, a um, what do you call this? A charger? A um one of those things that stops if there's a surge in the line. It sure. protects your electronics. But it's got a blue light on it that lights up the room. I mean, it feels like it really is like a beacon in the night. So I just got some gaff tape and put it over the little LED. And if you lay in bed at night and you see a bunch of lights on in the room, it's not a bad idea the next day to go through and, and knock some of those out with a little piece of tape. You know, black yep. electrical tape or... Even this masking tape would probably be enough, but the black tape does a better job of it. And when you're at home and you can control more of the elements, you can obviously take this further than you can when you're traveling. But one of the things that I think is very underrated is these blackout curtains. We actually got some of these probably about a year ago, and it made a huge difference. I never really, before we had them, I never really thought that the light coming in from the outside because we don't live in the middle of a city. It's not very bright or very noisy, but it really does make a huge difference once these are once we in- installed our uh, these blackout shades instead of the the normal shades that that were in our house to begin with. Uh it really does help us to transition to sleep faster. Yeah, I mean, and if you've ever slept in a hotel room and you find that you oversleep the next day, it's because of those blackout curtains. I mean, if the room stays dark, your body is perfectly happy to get more sleep yeah it's the way it's designed to work right (laughs) we we uh evolved as you know going to bed when it was dark and waking up when it was light and uh that actually kind of leads into uh i'll put a pin in this but there's things you can do to make sure that you wake up in the right state uh yeah that can kind of help you hit the ground running so you don't feel super groggy in the morning yeah. Um, one of the challenges for me I, before I built the studio in the house was a lot of the work I did every day was in a corner of the bedroom. And that actually was, uh, it made it harder to go to sleep because I could see the work. I could physically see it across the bed from me. And I think I had a, a harder time disconnecting. Yeah. It's the the siren song of one more thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which uh, we'll talk about that too, uh, evening routines and how that's kind of worked for me too. But um, when you have your workspace actually be the place that you you sleep as well, then you do have to recognize that you have to fight against that. You have a weighted blanket. I do. This is amazing. Uh, We'll put the link in the show notes to the one that we have because there's a lot of these out there and majority of them are smaller. This one actually goes over our entire queen size bed. And the general rule with weighted blankets, by the way, is that you want it to be about 10% of your body weight. This one is more than that. Uh, My wife picked it out, but we both love it. So we continue to use it. This one is uh, 25 pounds. 
So neither of us are 250 pounds. It's probably a little bit heavy, but uh, we really enjoy this because when you lay down, it, it forces for me specifically because I tend to move around a lot. It forces me not to move so much. And it also, there's a lot of research that shows that these weighted blankets, they're often used in like special ed classrooms, children with autism, for example, they'll have these weighted blankets and it'll help calm them down when they're dealing with anxiety. And that's one of the things that causes you to stay awake at night. At least for me, you know, it's something that that I deal with is, okay, I'm going to bed now, but am I actually going to go to bed or is it going to take me 45 minutes to fall asleep, right? So this kind of helps me to calm down a lot quicker and transition to sleep a lot faster. Also causes me to stay asleep. So I find that I get up in the middle of the night a lot less when I'm using this uh, this weighted blanket. Well, Daisy got one for us. It's like a, it's like when we're on the couch, it's not a full size for the bed, but I, I don't think she like did a lot of research on it. And it's like, the weight, whatever is in it to create the weight, like accumulates like in the bottom of the blanket. Yeah. So, so it's not, you know, I, I find it kind of frustrating to use it. So I'll have to pull it out and, and try it again. But that's that's specifically why we wanted one that covered our entire bed. Because if you have one that's smaller, it's going to move from side to side and you're going to have that exact same thing. It's going to roll off the bottom or, you know, it's all going to get bunched up on, on one particular side. Uh, we've yeah. used several different blankets, and we've had that experience with pretty much every single one of them. They all have different systems to try to keep it evenly distributed. But yeah. the best thing for us is having it go over all the ends of the bed. <laughs> yeah. then, then it pretty much stays there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought of that as helping get sleep, but I hadn't really looked into it much either. It just feels really good, too. <laughs> it, it's it's an interesting feeling. I'm not sure it feels good to me, but... um. I don't know. I'm going to get it back out and try it again after today's show. I, when we first got, when we got the first one, because I got it for Christmas last year, I tried taking a nap with it. And when I laid down, my comment was, it feels like you're sleeping in a warm hug. <laughs> it just, I, I, I can see where some people might not like it, but I really enjoy it. All right. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. I'm going to have to get it out and like shake it out or, or somehow get the weight like in the right places again, but yep. I'll figure it out. What other gear are you using to, to help yourself get some sleep? Well, one thing I think is underrated is getting a nice mattress. And this is getting easier thanks to internet mattress companies like Casper, which before I started doing this podcast with you, I heard about Casper on a podcast, probably Mac power users, to be honest, yeah. some relay show yeah. and uh, decided to order one. And with the with the understanding that because they had the 100 night return policy, that if my wife didn't like it, we would just get rid of it. Yeah. And uh, I got it for her around her birthday as a birthday gift, which maybe wasn't super smart for uh, I, I guess I, I would say don't generally take that approach buy a mattress for a birthday yeah. gift yeah. but uh it is one of my wife's favorite gifts that i ever gave her is this this casper casper mattress and uh one of the thing we like about it is that she moves at night i don't feel it or vice versa because of the way that the mattress is constructed we had had a air mattress the kind where not the select comfort ones but the ones where you can basically feel in your side to where you want it yeah uh so we had a decent mattress, but this is 
way better. And uh, we both sleep way better now that we have a, a mattress upgrade. Yeah, I agreed. We did the same thing. I, you know, I did the usual thing when I was in, when we first got married, I bought a used mattress from a friend that was moving and we kept it for way longer than you're supposed to keep a mattress. You know, <laughs> you know, when you have kids, it's like, you don't spend money on your own stuff when you have kids. Like yep. there's, you're constantly buying stuff for them. They're growing out of their beds. You need to buy them new beds, you know, so you're, you're dealing with all of that. And then a few years ago, we realized our kids are kind of grown and we could spend some money on ourselves. So we bought a, a Casper mattress as well. And the, um, it's great. It's just, it's amazing. And I don't know why I waited so long to like get a good mattress. <laughs> right. It was just it's so stupid in hindsight, but you know, whatever. Well, it's one of those things that you don't see the immediate benefit of it when you're trying to justify the purchasing decision, because what you yeah. have is good enough, right? It's yeah. Kind of this whole topic of sleep, you know, what I'm doing now is good enough. But yeah. when you kind of shift that thinking and try to optimize it to be the best that it can be it's kind of a no-brainer <laughs> you're going to spend a third of your life on your mattress <laughs> now, now you put something in the outline that has me my eyebrows raised it's uh, he just wrote in it gang he wrote the word magnesium spray i'm thinking <laughs> what the heck is this mike well magnesium uh again i don't know all of the science here so take it with a grain of salt but um magnesium has a bunch of health benefits and one of the things that is tied to using magnesium is improving the quality of your sleep. So we have this magnesium spray, which I first heard about this from my brother and kind of thought this was a little bit kooky. Uh, there's no way this works, right? But I bought a bottle. It's like 12 bucks on Amazon or something. And it's you just spray it on like the bottom of your feet or your back uh, and it absorbs into your body. And it really does, at least for me, help me to sleep better. The first night that I tried this, I actually slept completely through the night. That was probably the first time in like three or four months. Um, and again, your mileage is going to vary, but now it's just become part of the, the evening routine. Yeah, you have to wonder if it's a placebo or I don't know. I've never heard about this, but hey, if it works for you, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I'm kind of probably uh off the deep end when it comes to this stuff because of yeah. my perspective on it. So, I'm going to do everything that I can to 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 optimize it and I noticed some some improvement. You know, I'm not sure if like my body adjusted to it now and it's not as effective, but it's just become part of the routine and it takes a couple of seconds, so no big deal. Or maybe it's a something you bring out on important nights you know like where you really need to get good night's sleep you know deploy it tactically <laughs> yeah but the uh, but hey you don't want to wake up into the back of another ambulance so whatever Correct. it takes yep yeah i i do think that that you know all the things we're talking about are ways to kind of plan towards getting a good night's sleep and if it's something you want to take seriously i think it's something you need to think through absolutely uh, another thing that can help you sleep better but requires a little bit of forethought is making sure that you are hydrated. I don't know the percentage, but I would wager that the majority of people do not drink enough water. 
And if you stay hydrated, that can help you sleep. It's kind of counterintuitive because you think that the more water that you drink throughout the day, the more likely you're going to have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. But as long as, in my experience anyways, you don't drink a, a ton after seven o'clock or something, then uh, it's not going not gonna to have that effect. Yeah. Uh, there's different things I've used to make sure that we drink enough water. I used to have one of those spark water bottles, the Bluetooth ones that would track how much water you're drinking. Yeah. I liked it, but the battery didn't last very long and I got annoyed having to change it all the time. Uh, so I've just been drinking. I've got a clean canteen water bottle now that I use, but I've found that because it's not tracking, I don't have the numbers. I wasn't drinking quite enough. So my brain, the way it works is, well, how do we make this more fun? And the way that we did that is we bought a soda stream. Uh, it became something that I was using to kind of relax at the end of the evening if we were not, you know, run until 10 o'clock at night, we were actually home. We were, we would buy sparkling water from Costco and I would drink a can at, at night. And then, uh, I started calculating how much we were spending on sparkling water, realized we could buy a soda stream for a 50, 60 bucks and make our own at home. <laughs> and, uh, we just take, we have a, a filter system uh, built into our sink. So, we take that filtered water. We don't add any flavor to it, but we just always have a couple bottles of sparkling water in the fridge, and uh, it's more fun to drink <laughs> sparkling water. So we drink more water. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I bet the underlying point is, you know, drink a lot of water during the day, and you're going to sleep better at night. I think that's that's important. Yep. Uh, I also keep water nearby. Um, if I if I do wake up thirsty in the middle of the night, I don't want to have to go downstairs to get water. Yes. That's a good tip. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Ahrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, you run your own small business, or you do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always a challenge. There's just so much competition out there. Ahrefs can help you get a leg up because it's an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem. It gives you the tools that you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. You can delve into how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic, and you can get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer tool so you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. They've also got some cool automation tools. They've got a site audit feature, which checks the technical health of your site from an SEO perspective. It'll crawl all your pages and check for broken links if redirects are set up correctly and hundreds of other possible errors. It's kind of like having an SEO staff that can point out all the things that are wrong and allow you to fix those things so that your website just works. I first heard about Ahrefs when I was at the Craft and Commerce conference this summer in Boise, and I saw Sam O present on SEO. And when I walked into that session, I have to admit, David, that I had a little bit of uh, apprehension towards the topic of SEO. It seems like one of those things that is just kind of sleazy, that there's a lot of people who charge a lot of money to optimize things for SEO, and you kind of question, like, what are they actually doing? Is it really going to work? But Sam O, oh, who also does all of the YouTube videos for the Ahrefs YouTube channel, explained things very simply, very cleanly, and I walked out of there having a much better understanding and more importantly, I kind of had a clear path forward for how I could use this stuff for myself. 
So you can kind of use Ahrefs to figure out what are the things that people are looking for. In addition to just all the keywords and things, you can also see things like the questions that people are asking, which ultimately that's what you want to do, right? Is you want to create content for your website, which is going to answer the questions that people have when they get there. Um, I guess the SEO term for that would be search intent. So Ahrefs can really help you do that. Uh, go to hrefs.com. That's A-H-R-E-F-S.com right now. And you can sign up for their seven-day trial for just $7. You can get reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move. Whether you've got a personal website you want to get a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, go there right now, hrefs.com, and get that $7 trial. That's A-H-R-E-F-S.com to get that $7 trial. Our thanks to Ahrefs for their support of Focused and all of RelayFM. Hey, let's talk about some of the challenges to getting sleep. You know, we've talked about some of the, the things we bring to bear, but there are things that get in the way. And I know you're one of the things you're right in the middle of right now. You've got five kids. So that is a problem if you want to get a full night's sleep. <laughs> it is a challenge for sure. Uh, as your kids get older, it gets a little bit easier. I'm not sure that there is a magic solution for someone with a newborn. I mean, you've got to get up when your child needs something, right? Well, well, I, I would say that there is a solution of, of teamwork, you know, that the parents yes. take turns. And so you don't have two straight nights where you get no sleep. Yes, that's a, a really good point. Uh, but as your kids get older, you can kind of guide them in the direction of creating their own positive sleep habits. And one of the things that we have done in that area is we have bought this okay to wake alarm clock. We'll have the link in the show notes. There's a couple different versions of this. The one that we have does actually have the time on it. So you mentioned, David, you had a clock with the time on it growing up. It seems like my kids don't really care about that sort of thing. They're not bothered by it. Uh, they in fact, some of our kids, they're falling asleep before they even get in, <laughs> get in their bed. So this is not something that's keeping them awake at night. Yeah. But also you can use it to, uh, you can program it so that it changes color when it is okay to wake up. So we have it set to 7 a.m. And the rule in our house is that you stay in your room. You can play quietly or whatever, but you're not going to come bother mom and dad uh, until 7 a.m. and your clock is green. So when 7 a.m. hits or whatever time you determine, your cl the clock turns green and that's a visual cue that it is okay to get out of bed. Uh, and obviously, I think people will have different results with this. Your mileage is going to vary for sure. But this has been a game changer for us. It did not take our kids long to adjust to this and they're completely fine with it. And they've kind of built the habit now, except for the, the two-year-old who doesn't really understand this yet, but she's getting to the point where we can, we can start to, uh, to work on this. Um, we've got one of these at home. We've got one at the, uh, the uh, vacation home up in Door County. I mean, this is part of the, the routine for the, the Schmitz family. And it's, uh, it's been awesome. What a great idea. I mean, I remember once when my youngest was like three one morning I woke up, I was on my side, I just opened my eyes and she was standing next to the bed, like holding her doll, just looking at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was very jarring. <laughs> just and that does happen occasionally. I mean, it's not not perfect, but generally speaking, this has really worked. And for the people who maybe are thinking that this is a little bit selfish, the rationale behind this for us is that you have to protect the golden goose, right? So 
we have built in a buffer at the beginning of our day where my wife and I can go through our morning routine and we can make sure that we are in the best possible position to help all of the little humans that rely on us. And I don't think that that is is selfish. On the surface, it can kind of be, and um, you're going to have to kind of push through that. But uh, once you start doing it for a little while and you start to see some of the results, you recognize that this is actually one of the most unselfish things that you can do. Yeah, no, I, I get it. You know, another challenge I think people have is just you work too late. If you work right until the moment you go to sleep, you are not going to go to sleep. You know, yeah. just your brain is just racing. I, I know that's true for me. I am, um, you know, there's different people. Some people, their best focus time is later in the day and others it's are in the mornings. Uh, I really have sympathy toward people that have their high energy late at night and they get all their work done because I don't know how they get to sleep afterward. Yeah. Well, I think, again, there's the debate of, of um, night owls versus morning larks or however you want to define those. And again, I think that a lot of people are just so wired. They're all jacked up because they're staring at their their phones and the blue light is tricking their body into thinking that it's not as late as it really is. So they think that they are night owls. And on the surface, they say, I'm more productive at night. But I would challenge everybody listening to this to try and experiment and try to force yourself to become a morning person. This is actually what Sean McCabe did. And he was adamant that he was a night owl. He did his best work at night. And then when he started forcing himself to get up early, he recognized, because he was tracking what he was actually able to get done, the number of words that he was writing, that he was much, much more productive (laughs) at the beginning of the day than at the end of the day. So just don't default to whatever you've always done as that's what works for you. Well, it would make sense that after you have a full night's sleep that you're going to have the best focus, the best energy right after that, as opposed to, you know, 10 hours into it. That's what makes sense to me. And that's kind of why I try to get up early and get some focused writing done before any of the other craziness starts in in my day, because I recognize that I'm able to do more at that point. I My mental resources are at at the highest levels they're going to be all day. From that point forward, it's downhill. <laughs> so I'm going to make the, make the most of it that, that I, as I can. Another challenge that you can have toward getting sleep is your significant other. If you share a bed with somebody, their idea of what bedtime is and perfect dark isn't necessarily the same as yours. I mean, maybe your spouse wants to have an alarm clock that they can look at. Or uh, I know my wife looked at me kind of side-eyed when I started walking around the room with tape, taping up all the little (laughs) LED lights. She's like, are you crazy? And so it's a challenge. I can tell you for me, and we're going to talk about our own habits later, but my wife likes to decompress at the end of the day. She's got some games she plays on her phone and maybe she's reading the news. I don't want to look at a, a screen at that point, you know, and Uh, if I keep one of the things I keep in my bedside table is one of those blackout masks, you know I mean? So if she's, if she's really going and it's keeping me awake, I'll just put the mask on and we, you know, we don't, she, there's no judgment. She doesn't get mad. She doesn't feel like I'm like, um, you know, I'm like passively aggressively chastising her. I just need to get some sleep and, and that's fine. But you need to address that if there is, if the person that you share the bed with doesn't say uh, have your exact same habit. Yeah, one of the most 
productive things you can do is not try to force your habits on the person or persons that you live with. Because <laughs> what works for you is not necessarily going to work for them. My wife and I have a little bit different bedtimes, but for the most part, I I am ready for bed a little bit earlier than than she is. It's not a big deal. And we tend to just kind of compromise and meet in the middle. Um, but I'm, I'm usually ready for bed about a half an hour before, before she is. And if it's, if it's a, a bigger difference than that, then yeah, there are things that you can do like the, the sleep mask to, to block the light. Uh, we actually have hue lights on either side of our, our bed. We'll get into the main reason I, I have those in the, the routines in a, in a little bit. But one of the benefits of that is that if I'm going to bed before she is or she's going to bed before I am, then because uh, that does happen occasionally too, then uh, we'll turn the light on on the other side of the bed and keep it real low so they can they can see when they come into the bedroom, but it's not enough to to keep me awake. Um, there are, in addition to the sleep mask though, there are these special headphones, which I actually have some of these and I bring them with me when I travel and they've been... Uh, they've been a, a a big help in certain situations. Uh, I tend to sleep on my stomach or on my side. So just sticking in normal headphones into my ears is going to hurt by the morning. But they make uh, really thin cushioned headphones. The ones that I have are called bedphones. And I've had them for several years now. And uh, they, they plug in and you can play white noise or something um, to help you fall asleep. Uh, these I brought with when I went on my mission trip to Costa Rica. I had no idea what the sleeping situation was going to be like. And it ended up being in this hotel, which had open uh, open windows, basically, that they didn't actually close. Yeah. And it was right on a busy street. And so there's light streaming in and there's noise and brought my mask, <laughs> brought my bedphones, and I was good. I was able to, to fall asleep, make sure that I, I got looked enough like sleep. A, looked like a bug, probably. I did, yeah. And there were some people <laughs> who were sleeping in, in the room with me. There were three of us in the room. And they probably thought I was a little bit weird because they're going to bed and I'm already tucked in the corner, you know, trying to get as dark as and quiet as I, I can so I could, <laughs> I could fall asleep. But the last thing I wanted to do was have a seizure in a foreign country. So, yeah, no, makes sense. Um, yeah, they, there's definite things you can do to overcome these challenges. The biggest challenge, I think, is the no sleep culture is the if you've got the mindset that you don't need a lot of sleep. I, I really would like you to challenge that that assumption. Yes, agreed. Uh, and the other thing that kind of goes along with that, I think just in terms of reframing and rethinking the defaults is how you use your screens. And I really am a huge fan of the fact that Apple is, and, and other companies too now, are bringing attention to this in terms of like the the limits that you can set for yourself in different applications, but even just the amount of time that you spend on your screens. I actually have a discipleship group with a bunch of guys at my my church and talked about this intentional use of technology at one point. And I had everybody go in and, and look at the, the screen time stats in their phone. And some of the guys were like, what? There's no way I was on here for seven hours. I'm like, well, yeah, you were. <laughs> and uh, the numbers don't lie, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, specifically, try to use your devices less, use them more intentionally, and specifically at night, um, make sure that you're not staring at a screen before you try to go to bed. This is the the biggest thing that can derail a good night of sleep for me is 
using my phone a lot. Even with the the night shift features that, that Apple has added, it's not as effective as something like Flux for your Mac, in my opinion. In fact, the Flux website has tons of research behind how the program works. It essentially works the same as night shift. It tries to eliminate a lot of the blue light and make it more of like an orangish tint to simulate like a candlelight or something. But the brighter the the blue light, the the more your body thinks that it's still daytime. And yeah. so with talking about daylight savings, it gets dark here in Wisconsin now about 530, right? So starting about 530, if I'm not staring at my phone and I'm outside and it starts to get dark, my body is saying, okay, now it's time to start transitioning to sleep. It's going to produce melatonin, which is the thing that's going to help me fall asleep. And you basically short circuit that when you bombard your body with blue light. Your body's like, oh, I guess it's not that late. So we won't produce the melatonin. And then when you try to go to bed, you're up for another hour or two. Yeah. What about napping? Do you, are you a napping guy, Mike? I'm not a big napping guy. I use it occasionally. I guess, you know, I deploy it tactically. <laughs> there you uh, go. For the most part, I do not nap. But if I don't sleep well, then I will take a 30, 40 minute nap in the middle of the day. The thing that always pushed back against me when I would try to take a nap is that I would lay down and then I would think, well, I'm not falling asleep. So this nap has no point. I'm not getting any restorative benefit from it. But I realized not too long ago that actually just telling your body, forcing your body to lay down, even if you don't actually fall asleep, that does have a restorative effect. It's better if you can get to like that power nap stage. But even if you don't, it's not pointless. Um, so I tend to do this if I have a, a bad night's sleep the, the night before, I'll try to squeeze it in. But for the most part, this is not part of my daily routine. Yeah, if you want to try and nap, one of the useful things you can tell yourself is, it's okay not to sleep. I'm just going to lay down for 30 minutes and whether or not I sleep, this is useful to me. And, um, but in my case, it, it almost always works. I always fall asleep, but the, uh, I don't do it every day. I, I do it at least three times a week, usually more. Um, and to me, a nap is, uh, quite often in the afternoon, I start catching myself having trouble with my focus. I mean, that's the point of the show, right? And yeah. I'll, I'll see myself like when I'm doing, you know, deep work. And suddenly I catch myself reading the same paragraph two or three times trying to figure it out. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I have a problem. Uh, and I, uh, I'll just go take a nap. And I'm fortunate now that I can do them because I work from home so many days. I can literally just go to the bedroom and lay down. My, my kind of my workflow for that is I just tell my Apple Watch to set a timer for 35 minutes. And I'll lay down and I'll be asleep in five. And in 30 minutes, my wrist taps i get up and then i go read that contract term just once and i know what i what i i'm doing um for me the math works every time i i take a 30 minute nap i get i get it back and you know i get so much more back out of that 30 minute investment in terms of productivity and focus for the rest of the day it's absolutely worth it it's it's the difference between having an afternoon where almost no work gets done and having an afternoon where substantial work gets done so it's absolutely worth it um uh, everybody's different and i know not everybody listening to the show has the benefit of being able to work from home um, I can tell you for 22 years, I worked in an office. I still took naps at least three times a week. And <laughs> right. uh, when I was in the office, I had a couple things I would do. I would go down to the parking structure. I never told my coworkers I was doing this, but often I would eat lunch at my desk or, you know, I, I do light lunches quite often. 
you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of spending long lunches when I'm at work. I just want to get my work done, but I would go down and do the same thing. I get my car. I'd put the, you know, those sun blocker windshades up, like, you know, the ones you would have to keep the sun out of your car on a hot day. Mm-hmm. But I would just put those up and then tilt the seat back and take a nap. When I was in trial, we'd have hour and a half breaks. So I'd take care of all my witness stuff, whatever, eat a cliff bar. And then I'd take a 30 minute nap in the car and come back, you know, ready and rearing to go as soon as the, the hour and a half break was done. So there's ways to find uh, a way to take a nap. And uh, this isn't something that everybody has to do. But if you find yourself lagging in the afternoon, if you look at your output in the afternoon and realize it's not very good, uh, a nap uh, experiment might be something worth trying. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody can argue with the benefits of the the nap and sleep in general. If you look at the people who are really at the the top of whatever whatever their their sport or their field is, athletes specifically uh, kind of famously sleep a ton and then also nap. Um, but if you think about even in the the business world, for example. If you want to be able to perform at the highest levels, you there are things that you can do that, and they're they're usually tied to sleep that can set you up for success. And uh, the the challenge is that mindset, and this is something I think that everybody can benefit from is is recognizing you know there who are the people who are doing what I want to do really really well, and then what are they doing? And if you pay attention to their sleeping habits, there's a good chance <laughs> that they're actually sleeping a ton. Yeah. And I've tried taking naps longer than 30 minutes, you know, but the, um, it doesn't work for me because those naps are much harder. Like a 30 minute nap, I can just jump up from and get back to work an hour and a half nap. I'm kind of a mess afterwards. And it just takes me a while to get like rolling again. Yep. And it just doesn't feel right. And and I, I know I haven't studied this in terms of the science, but I know, I guess it has something to do with the, the REM cycle. Like if you get into deep sleep, it's much harder to come back out of that. Yep, definitely. This episode of Focus is brought to you by FreshBooks, online invoicing made easy. You know what would help you get a good night's sleep, Mike? It would be if you got all your invoices paid. And that's what FreshBooks is here to help you do. Uh, FreshBooks saves freelancers 192 hours. Our friends at FreshBooks can help you do just that with super simple cloud accounting software by simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork and get paid. They've got this new notification system in FreshBooks. It's like a personal assistant. You go in, you know what's changed in your business since you last log in, You know what needs to be dealt with right away. You can see who's paid their invoices, who hasn't. It's just great. I use it all the time. And when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to the guessing game of have they or haven't they. You don't have to call them and say, hey, did you get my invoice? You know they saw the invoice. You know exactly when they opened the invoice. Um, I had a bunch of problems with getting paid with some of the stuff I was doing with Max Sparky. It wasn't that my... Uh, the people I were working with were deadbeats so much as I was lazy and I didn't have a good system for getting invoicing out on a timely basis. 
So I signed up for FreshBooks a few years ago, and it has solved all those problems. When I create a new invoice, it auto-fills based on the stuff I've used before. It sends the email out to the to the customer. The customer can pay right in the email. They can use a credit card or a bunch of different payment systems and make it very easy to pay. And then FreshBooks keeps me up to date as to the invoice status on each one of those. Since I started doing that, I've not had any problem with invoicing, and it's just been so much better. Uh, so if you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks, it's time for you to give it a try. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash focused and enter focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, in the how did you hear about us section. So we thank FreshBooks for their support of Focused and all of Relay FM. Want to talk about our sleep routines? Yeah, um, I think think you should go first because it seems like you have more you've thought this through more than I have I'm I am the Padawan here (laughs) well I've thought it through but again this is the ideal and it doesn't happen all the time tell tell me about apps too because I feel like it's time for me to like go down that rabbit hole again (laughs) sure well to be honest I haven't really played with a, a bunch of them I've tried some of the the big ones the auto sleep and the sleep plus plus but the thing specifically that I use is Sleep Cycle, and the the thing that I love about it is that number one, as we mentioned at the beginning, they changed how they track your sleep, and it uses the microphone now instead of the accelerometer, and you don't have to place it next to your head under the the sheet. <laughs> so I can just set it on my nightstand and activate it when I go to bed, and then uh, it's going to track everything. And it's probably not as accurate as something that's like if you're gonna use the apple watch to to track it that way it's not going to give you uh, a one-to-one probably in terms of what's actually going on but for me it's good enough it gives you a chart and it shows you basically from awake to deep sleep and you can see the number of sleep cycles that you've got it gives you a completely arbitrary but a sleep score like a percentage and uh, i just want to keep seeing that go up basically (laughs) So you, so, so you don't use Apple Watch for this? I do not, no. Uh, Sleep Cycle does not have an option to wake you up via the Apple Watch, uh, which is kind of the thing that I would like it to do is if it could just have a silent alarm and use my Apple Watch for that, that would make it perfect in my opinion. But there's a couple other things that kind of make it indispensable for me. So number one, it integrates with my Philips Hue lights. Yeah. And that allows me to set a wake-up window. The reason that the wake-up window is better than the standard alarm, and again, you're going to find people who say this is complete garbage. It doesn't work that way. I've noticed no difference. For me, I feel like it really does help me. When you wake up at the bottom of a sleep cycle, you're in your deep sleep and your alarm is blurring and you got to hit snooze three times, you wake up and you feel groggy. It can take hours, if not the entire day, to, to shake that feeling. But if you can transition out of sleep and wake up at the point where you're coming up out of your sleep cycle, you're very near the the top of your sleep cycle, that helps you wake up more rested and you're ready to hit the ground running. At least that's my experience. So the wake up window means that it's going to watch for where you are in your sleep cycle and it's going to time it right when you're at the highest point in your sleep cycle so you're in the best position to be alert when you wake up. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's kind of amazing to me that they can do all that just based on the noise in the room. Yeah, and 
the the way that it's working is you can uh, if you listen back to some of the the recordings you can hear how your breathing patterns really do change as you go through the different levels of sleep so it's not perfect but for me it's good enough but what about your wife i mean she's also breathing how does it know the difference <laughs> i honestly don't know how it does that but it does know that she's running it on her side of the bed and i'm running it on my side of the bed and in fact when i go to activate it she's already Uh, she's already done it, I'll see on the screen like a little chain link icon and it says Rachel. So it's balancing those things out. And again, you know, it's probably not perfect, but it's good enough for me. And it it's accurate enough where it recognizes that just because my wife got up in the middle of the night, I did not actually get up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And and with the new new Apple watch, the battery life is a little lower. So doing the thing where you wear the watch through the night sometimes can be uh you have to manage that. You have to take time during the day to make sure you charge it. And so this is kind of an easy solution in terms of not getting in the way of your other technology. Yeah, I love my Apple Watch. This is the thing that kind of got me to establish a running habit. So I think that it's provided a lot of health benefits for me, but I have always placed it on the charge charger uh, in the middle of the night. I've never yeah. worn it through the night. I tried it a couple of times and it just it felt weird. <laughs> I don't like having the thing on my wrist. <laughs> I, I've worn it through the night. It doesn't bother me at all. Put it in theater mode so it doesn't light up the room, you know, accidentally. But otherwise, it's it's fine. But the um, but I I haven't really successfully used it for sleep tracking. You know, there are sleep tracking apps out there that look at your motion with the watch that's attached to yep. your wrist. And those are good too. I, I think I may try sleep cycle the way you're using it. I'll tell you one downside is I've always preferred the tap alarm on my wrist with the watch. That's one of the nice things about wearing the watch to bed is um, you can wake yourself up without waking up your spouse because it doesn't yep. make any noise. Um, and I know sleep cycle doesn't do that. In fact, Correct. last time I tried sleep cycle, all of their alarms were unacceptable to me. You know, they, <laughs> They're just yeah. a little too naturey, if that makes sense. I don't know. But yeah, the, the um, alarms aren't that great. But the thing that makes it work for me is the integration with the Philips Hue lights. So I actually own a Philips wake-up light, which kind of takes this wake-up window idea and simulates a fake sunrise. So it starts off just real low, and then during the wake-up window, it gets brighter and brighter. And what that does is it helps your body accelerate up out of a deep sleep cycle. And uh, you can do this, the exact same thing with sleep cycle using Philips Hue lights. So if I've got a half hour wake up window, which getting into some of the specifics here with my routine, uh, I usually have my wake up window set from 6 to 6.30. So I am awake by 6.30. At 6 o'clock, the light is going to start glowing. And at 6.30, it's going to be at full strength and the alarm is going to go off. I find that often I wake up before the alarm goes off. And so I don't even hear the noise. Um, yeah because of the the Philips Hue lights. And again, I've got one on my side of the bed. My wife's got one on her side of the bed. So we tend to get up about the same time anyways. Not really a big deal. Uh, if our schedules were very different, maybe this wouldn't work. But I've found that uh, because it's linked to a specific light bulb, if she's getting up a little bit earlier, it doesn't really bother me. Or if I'm getting up a little bit earlier, it doesn't really bother her. Yeah, that was my next question. Honestly, it's like when the light starts waking up, it doesn't wake up both of you. No, it doesn't. Um, but again, you know, maybe it is a little bit and we're just, it's, we get up so close to the same time that it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but this has just been a, a game changer for me. I probably have used that term 
<laughs> a lot in this episode. But uh, I was the kind of person who needed to set five different alarms because I am a very deep sleeper. And I would sleep through alarms. In fact, when I travel before I was start doing the, the sleep cycle stuff, um, that's what I would do to make sure I didn't miss a flight or something. I would set five different alarms. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't have to do that anymore. In fact, most of the time, I don't even need the alarm. I'm waking up naturally, which feels way better. And then sleep sleep cycle data can get shared to the health app. So you've kind of got data to look at as well if you want. Yep. It'll tell you if you're snoring. <laughs> you can play back a recording. So, you know, if you... Uh, if you ever have those discussions like, hey, you were snoring last night. No, I don't snore. Well, there's there's proof. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about getting to sleep? What, how do you uh, how do you get to sleep? Yeah, again, this is the ideal, but uh, sometimes it's a little bit later than this. But uh, about nine o'clock typically is when I want to start my evening routine, which consists of two primary activities. Number one, reading. So I am, well, I'm taking notes usually in my note on my phone. I'm not staring at my phone the whole time. Uh, I'm usually reading a physical book and that helps me to fall asleep when I actually go to bed. I also have a reflection template that I fill out inside of day one. Uh, I've kind of changed that around a little bit lately. I really like the the templates that they added. And so I don't use the the shortcut anymore. Yeah. I just use the the built-in templates, which is really nice. And then by 10 o'clock, basically I'm in bed. The blackout curtains are down. I've already mentioned I got the, the weighted blanket and I'm launching sleep cycle and I'm in bed basically eight, eight and a half hours ideally, and then waking up sometime between six and six thirty. Yeah. I uh, for me, the the bedtime routine starts for me sometime between nine and nine thirty. I go up into the bedroom and then I gotta, you know, kind of just get ready for bed, brush brush and floss, all that stuff, and you know, medications. And then when I get in bed, I like to, um, sometimes I will watch TV. We have a TV in the bedroom now and I do like watching like brain dead YouTube, you know, like there's a new drone out and I'll watch somebody talk about the new drone or, you know, I, I don't, I don't watch news at that hour because it gets me too worked up. <laughs> right. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll watch or something about a video game or maybe even some technology stuff, but even that feels like work. So I, um, I, I, you know, I'll have some brain dead YouTube usually on while I'm kind of putzing around the room. But when, once I get in bed, I, I have a Kindle that I keep at the bedside table and I read that most nights. Uh, I don't read fiction on them. I usually am reading some kind of, you know, productivity nonsense, but I do find reading the Kindle easier than reading an iPad in bed. Yes, uh, absolutely. Because it doesn't have the other distractions. It doesn't have the blue light, et cetera. Um, uh, the other thing I do quite often is even though I shut, I usually have a shutdown routine earlier in the day. I, uh, I like to journal at the very end of the night, just a little bit. So I just bring my, my paper journal to bed with me and I have a little like desk bed I can pull out and write on for a while. And that's a, for me, that's kind of like a therapeutic thing of finishing the day off and then closing the book. And then I'm, I'm ready for bed. So usually for me, it lights out or be between 10 and 10 30 and, um, and usually I wake up, it just depends on the day. Like on gym days, I wake up at 5.30. On other days, I wake up at 6 or 6.30. But so I was, before this week, I've routinely been getting at least seven hours of sleep, usually seven and a half. And something I want to change as a result of the feedback loop I've had this week is, is I want to get it up to eight hours a night of sleep. And the the question for me is, well, how do you do that? Because 
the I work a lot during the days, but in the evenings, you know, the you know, six ish to nine ish is family time. I mean, my my daughter's home, my wife and I are here, we talk, sometimes we watch TV together, sometimes we play games, whatever, but we're doing stuff together. I don't think the answer for me is starting the bedtime routine at eight o'clock. Right. Yep. Because that's the time that I really like being with them. And I, I don't think I have a lot of space there. So maybe what this means is I need to move my wake up time to later. Yeah. And that, that could be something that is hard to do. I know when I was writing my book, I was getting up at 5am and kind of in the back of my head, I've always had that as like the gold standard. I want to get back to getting up at 5am. The reality is that it just doesn't work (laughs) with our lifestyle. And I'm not the only person living in my house. So I don't have complete control over it. And I've just learned to adapt. And you know, I'm going to just make sure I've got eight hours carved out for sleep every single night and do the best I can. Yeah, if I'm going to get to bed at 1030, then I need to be setting the alarm for 630, not 530. And, <laughs> um, and I was thinking about it, but the, uh, but I have some data here. Like I know when I take a 30 minute nap, I get it paid back. And I think I know that if I gave myself an extra hour in the morning, it would get paid back as well. And so I seriously want to start looking into this and like, like, you know, I've always, we talked about on the show, you know, our productivity prime time. And I actually, when my wife and I go to the gym together, we have to do it in the morning because she has to go off to work. But days that she, that I go to the gym without her, I always do it in the afternoon because I don't want to give up that time in the morning. So I, I just have to get, like start getting more intentional about this. But I am definitely interested. I'm going to start tracking more and and figuring some of this out. Nice. Yeah. It's an experiment for me to conduct. We'll see. <laughs> That's the the common theme with focused is we just keep conducting these experiments on ourselves. We figure out what works, what doesn't work, and even when we figure out what does work, we make mistakes and we we try it again. The interesting thing for me is I thought I really had sleep nailed. I'm like seven to seven and a half hours. I'm doing great. <laughs> right, and there's yeah. no further benefit for me. And just coincidentally without even realizing it i did an experiment this week and i'm like oh wait a second i feel really good what is you know what has changed and it's just that when i thought about it i'm getting an extra hour of sleep every night yeah you know you're talking about the the napping and how that pays immediate dividends it pays you back i think is the term you used it reminds me of winston churchill who famously whenever he had a very important decision that he had to make the first thing he did was go take a nap. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's, he's also the guy who said, and I think this, this kind of encapsulates what focus is all about, is that success is simply going from failure to failure with no loss and in, in, uh, in momentum. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy, that guy knew how to, to put out a quote, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I read uh, years ago, I read, I don't know why I even read it, but somehow I came across the Colin Powell biography. And, uh, you know, Colin Powell, he was Secretary of State. He was a general, um, really smart guy. And one of the things he wrote in the book was he talked about all his failures in his military career, you know, and he had all these disappointments. And he said the first thing he learned whenever he had a disappointment, whenever he didn't get the promotion or whatever, you know, something went wrong, was he, he decided to take no action on it and get a good night's sleep. And that was like his answer to every problem was 
sleep on it. You know, we've all heard the saying, sleep on it. Right, yeah. And I've, I've always, and this I've read this so long ago, my kids are used to me telling them this because I always give them the same advice when something goes wrong. I say, you know what, just get a good night's sleep and then tomorrow morning, it won't seem like as big of a deal as it does right now. Right. And then you can deal with it. And that's what he had, the advice he had given in the book. And and I've used that myself many times. I think it, it really works. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how this maybe gets modified when we travel? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sounds to me like you've, you've already kind of told us you've got the headphone, the bed phones. Yep. The, uh, the sleep mask. Do you have, what, what do they call the thing? You know, the isolation chamber, the, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Those white pods people climb into in Silicon Valley. <laughs> no, I don't have one of those. <laughs> uh, was it the barium or some Africa they call it? But the, yeah, I kind of know what you're talking about, but I've never actually seen one of those. Yeah. Um, the main thing I guess I want to call out is when you are traveling, things are going to change. And it's kind of the same advice I would give somebody in terms of sticking with a morning routine is figure out an abbreviated version of this that's going to allow you to make the most of your situation. So I'm not going to necessarily have the blackout curtains and I'm not going to probably have the weighted blanket. And I may not even be in control of what time I'm actually going to bed. But there are a couple things that I try to make sure I stick with when I'm traveling. And the one thing that I want to stick with for my evening routine is the reflection inside of day one. I try to never miss a day. I find yeah. that just kind of processing what happened through the day and that dumping that stuff out of my brain that allows me to release it. I don't have to think about it anymore. And then uh, if I don't have complete control over the environment, you know, maybe I'll use a sleep mask. I prefer not to. Don't like wearing the thing. But if I have to, I will. Uh, I will use white noise. So I just use an app on my my phone. There's a lot of good ones. The one that everybody seems to like lately is, uh, I think it's called Dark Noise, and it looks really nice. But in my opinion, the app that I use is called My Noise, and the sounds that I get from that are a little bit better. So I use that for white noise, and then if I need to, you know, I've got my bedphones if things are really loud. If I'm in a hotel and people are running up and down the hallway <laughs> outside my door, uh, I'm not going to get bent out of shape. I'm not going to go yell at them. I'm just going to throw my bedphones on and turn up the volume so I don't hear anything. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, one thing I would add about travel is... um if you're going away, a lot of times you go away for a work trip. Like even like when I go to WWDC, I'm there for a week. Um, I always try to pick at least one day in the middle of the week where I lie to everyone I know and say, I tell everyone that I have meetings with somebody else and I get to, I like eat dinner at like five and I go up to the room and go to bed. Like in the middle of the trip, I just like, I, I retreat from the whole thing. And um, have one night where I get like 10 hours of sleep. And I find that really useful on trips. Uh, particularly, I would say business trips. I mean, vacations are different. You get plenty of sleep. I, at least I get plenty of sleep on vacations. But the um, but in terms of like when you go on work trips, try if it's an extended trip, try and get one night where you're not going out with everybody from work or you're not going to some event. And you just get in early, take a bath, get to bed and have a really good night's sleep. Right. Yep. Great advice. All right. Um, well, that's sleep. Uh, sounds like you, I mean, medically, you've got a lot of reason to really have this wired down. And of course you do, because you're Mike Schmitz. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm perfect. You know, yeah. uh, I, I want to really make that clear. Like I've, I've thought through what my ideal evening routine looks like, but 
my success rate on that is going to depend on on the day. Oh, um, yeah. We you know, we got stuff going on. I'm I'm at church a couple nights a week, and sometimes you know worship team practice runs late, and I don't get home till nine thirty. My evening routine is messed up, so at that point, I just bump it back a little bit and don't feel so bad about sleeping a little bit later the next day. Or so somebody, be flexible and don't don't uh, get mad at yourself if you can't stick to your ideal. And and you know what, your children, whether they're two or twenty, they have crises. You know, crises. <laughs> right. And quite often those show up at night um, and you have to deal with them. And, you know, sometimes your wife is having trouble at work and you want to help her out with that. Or, I mean, there's lots of reasons, good reasons why you're not going to be able to stick to these patterns. But at the same time, being intentional about it and when you can, following these, I think, can make a difference in your focus. And that's the reason we're here. We want you to get better at getting the hard work done. Um, I, uh, I have, uh, like I said, this week has been really good for me and I want more of this. So I'm going to make effort and I'm really thinking that I'm going to start adjusting my wake up time to sleep just a little bit longer every day and, um, and see how that goes. And, uh, and I am going to start tracking sleep. I'm going to start out with your sleep cycle, but I'm going to look into some watch apps too, because I don't mind wearing my watch to bed. And just kind of see how the data varies. Like you, I don't feel like I need scientifically verifiable data. I just need the ballpark. So maybe sleep cycle be, will be enough. I really am not a fan of their alarms. And uh, that's, that's, a, <laughs> yeah. that's a big problem for me. But either way, I'm going I'm to check it out. If you are a sleep uh, Zen master or if you're trying to get better at your sleep, we have a forum. You should uh, let us know what you're doing, maybe what your favorite apps are, or what works for you, what doesn't. Just head over to talk.macpowerusers.com and, and let us know. Speaking of the forums, we've got some some feedback and questions. Yeah, so an unexpectedly hot topic was the question that somebody asked, when do you shower during your day? And this is this is this actually folds nicely into the whole topic of sleep here because yeah, I think you could use this as part of an evening routine to transition into sleep. Personally, I shower in the the morning. I've talked through my evening routine, but I find that I just feel I, I feel gross <laughs> in the morning, and so that's part of my morning routine to wake myself up. When do you when do you shower? Well, if you saw my hair when I wake up in the morning, I look like a serial killer. My hair is everywhere, so I always take a shower in the morning. Usually, if I if I have a morning workout, obviously after the workout. But um, many days, I take a second one in the afternoon. I uh, I partake, and I do find it it's a nice way to kind of transition into the evening, especially if I worked out in the afternoon or if it was just a really hot day in California and I feel sweaty and I want to take another shower. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but I do take them very fast. I appreciate that water is not an unlimited resource, but I I like uh, sometimes taking two. I think there is, I don't know the science behind it, but I, I believe there is some science behind cold showers too. And uh, I know that's something that <laughs> my parents would always do is when the, when I was little, take a shower before bed and they'd always turn it real cold at the end because it helps you sleep better, supposedly. But I, I do think that there is some some truth to that. I do that with every shower. I don't know why. I think I when I was a kid, I read it in a book and... uh I don't even know why, but I, I it's a habit I've had. I, at the end of my shower, I always make it very cold. <laughs> so there you go. Nice. Every shower, I do that way. Um, another question was, you know, we've got a calendar for sale. We chose to make the calendar start on a Monday. 
And there's a question in the forum. When does the week start, Sunday or Monday? Yeah, and this is personal preference, but I prefer that it starts on a Monday. I think you do too, correct? Well, it's personal preference, but there's one right answer, in my (laughs) opinion. Okay, fair enough. It doesn't make any sense to split the weekend. I agree. I agree. So the focus calendar is that way where the week starts on the Mondays and then the, the weekends are visually denoted by a solid color line under Saturday and Sunday and they happen at the end of the week. So you yeah. can see both of those days together. Yeah. I, I don't even know that there's anything to debate here. It should start on Monday. <laughs> I have a, Every app I have starts the week on Monday. I mean, to me, that's the fresh start of every week. And when I'm planning I out agree. for things, like if I have set this is the week i'm going to work on this project it starts on monday doesn't start on sunday yeah and for me it's always been difficult starting a week on a sunday because we're pretty involved with our church and we're there most of the day on sunday yeah so to have that be the start of the week always felt kind of weird because that whole day is basically spoken for so i just feel better about having that at the end of the week it's like that's the last thing that we do and then the next morning we can set the direction and we have control over where we're headed, what we're doing. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe that's the reason why for so long calendars started on Sunday because um, this country was a lot more religious in the past than it is now. And and people looked at Sunday as the church day, so that's got to be the first day. But sure. In a lot of ways, I think that's kind of counterintuitive because you would want the church day to be the day where you're not thinking about all the other work you have to do. Exactly. That's why I find it beneficial to put it at the end of the week. Yeah. It's a good bookend. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Take plenty of showers and get to work on Monday (laughs) and get some sleep. Uh, I was serious, though, about the forums. I'm super curious to hear what listeners think about this stuff. Um, You know, we call the show Focus, but honestly, I believe that sleep is very relevant to this topic. You know, if you want to get your best work done, you cannot buy into the no sleep culture. And if you have, now is the time to change. Maybe you say, well, I'm young and it doesn't bother me. You know what? It does bother you and it does have It'll a cost. It'll catch up to you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So get those habits sorted out right now. And and do let us know what you're thinking in the forum. We'll have a feedback show at some point. I'd love to get some feedback on this topic in particular. Uh, we are the Focus Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash focused. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors, Squarespace. A refs, which I'm going to become a customer of, I think, Mike, <laughs> and uh, and FreshBooks, and also uh, check out our calendar. We're really happy with the way it came out. We'd love to see you put a focused calendar on your wall. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>